You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Her Money is supported by Fidelity Investments. Together, we're here to empower, educate, and encourage women to start talking about money. Discover more at fidelity.com slash it's time. Her Money comes to you through PRX. Hi, I'm Jean Chatsky. Welcome to Her Money and welcome to the season of shopping. Yes, we are heading into the thick of it. And so I thought today would be a really great time to talk a little bit about consumer psychology, to talk about why we buy what we buy. Because if I'm remembering my statistics correctly, about 99% of the population says that they occasionally suffer from buyer's remorse. I know that I am certainly among them. And that means that we're not always making the right shopping decisions for us, for our wallets. We're going to knock it down with the help of Dr. Kit Yarrow. She is a consumer psychologist. She's the author of the best-selling book, Decoding the New Consumer Mind, and she is here on the phone with me today as we head into the biggest shopping weekend of the year. Kit, welcome. Thank you. I'm honored to join you. Well, I'm happy to have you. I mean, I I should give a little bit of backstory here. I mean, you and I have spoken many times in the past, but I called you for help and advice when I embarked on my New Year's resolution last year, which was not to buy anything on sale because I wanted to know, quite frankly, if I was out of my mind. And <laughs> and you told me that, in fact, I you thought it was a good experiment. Awesome idea. How's it worked, by the way? You know, I stuck with it for about seven months, and then I fell off the wagon. But the fact <laughs> that I went through it um, has continued to really shape what I buy. I'm I'm much more willing these days to pay full price for something if I know that I really want it and am going to use it rather than just buying things because they're on sale. I mean that let's let's start there. So let's let's start there because this is the time of year when everything seems to be going on sale. So yeah. how do we know when we're buying simply because we're just excited about the fact that it's cheaper than it used to be? <laughs> Two things come to mind that I think are really important for everybody to remember. One, this time of year we are not really seeing sales. We're seeing normalized prices. So what I mean by that is that retailers are putting out their merchandise at a price that they don't ever anticipate it will be sold at and because they know that we all want bargains. And so then they'll reduce the price to what they think it's probably going to be sold at. We buy it thinking we're buying something on sale and really we're just buying something at a normalized price. So if that were, like, I think that would almost be enough to get people to not get so crazy about looking for and only shopping for sales. The second thing is I just did a project and um, just recently wrote about it where the, the question was, why do so many shoppers have merchandise in their closet that still has the tag on it? Oh, I so, love this question. Yes. No, isn't that a wonderful question? And so... 
what I found was that there were a few reasons, you know, a few people out there shopping drunk, for example. <laughs> that wasn't the majority. The majority of the people that I talked with, and this was like hundreds of people, there's a little equation that goes on in their brain, and here's how, and I do it too. I mean, most people have done it. You probably did it, and that's why you went, you know, cold turkey on the bargains. You see something, and it's got a wonderful characteristic. Like one woman I talked to this just went on and on about the texture of the silk blouse and how much she loved it. So it's just wonderful. You like the color. You like the shape. You love the designer. You like something about it. You love it. You're so excited you found it. But there's something not quite right with it. Like this woman with the green blouse I was telling you about, the silk blouse, it was a little bit snug on her. And also it, because of that, it didn't really go with anything. But, and then the third part of the equation, and this to your point is about bargains, is that it was on sale. So people kind of excuse what isn't right about it and they go ahead and buy it anyway. And that is, I'd say, at least half the stuff I found in people's closets when I talked to them about it. It, it was exactly that equation. They bought it really because it was on sale. So. So you said two things I want to follow up on there. The first is, the the whole idea of normalized prices. Right. So when, think, yeah, yeah. when we've got, I mean, Black Friday, Doorbuster, Cyber Monday, right? Are none of these prices really bargains anymore? I think a lot of them aren't. So I think what's probably, you know, what, I think what's probably a genuine bargain is clearance merchandise, which isn't going to show up until right before Christmas and right after Christmas. You know, but by that time, is it really anything you want? I mean, so here we've sort of weeded out, you know, the most desirable merchandise and what's on clearance is kind of what's left. So I think waiting until everything is 20% off, 40% off, 50% off is fine, but don't get so excited about it being on sale because it's really just a normalized price. So Part of what I see consumers do so often is they get really excited about a sale, like, like, you know, oh, my gosh, it's 40% off. This gives me a rationalization to buy something. You know, this gives me permission to go ahead and spend, or this means I'm not getting ripped off by the retailer. So I think that waiting until something is 40% off is fine. I mean, that's just price normalization, but getting excited about it, like it's a rare opportunity or that you can rationalize then purchasing is a mistake because really what we're seeing here is just a normalized price. So as far as trying to overcome all those tags then in our closet from things that we've purchased, which weren't quite right just because they were on sale, is the solution not to look at the price tag until we decide <laughs> that this is something we really want? I mean, maybe that's a strategy. You go in the dressing room, you yeah. try it on, and you don't look at the price tag till after. Yeah, I think that's an excellent idea. Another strategy is to really not even start looking until you know what it is that you need or want. So sometimes what you need or want is just something new. I get that. I mean, everybody does that. You just want a little boost. Mm -hmm. And there's pretty much nothing to do about that except go find that new thing um, or resist the urge, do something else. But otherwise, pretty much everything you can put on a list somehow. I need something to go with this skirt because I never wear it, and if I had a sweater or something like that, I'd wear it. I need a new pair of boots because the heels are, you know, shot on this one or something, or I want a lower heel or something. But people generally know what it is that they need, 
And if they kind of stick to that list, especially around gifting, I think they'll do a better job. Just in the same way that, you know, your point I think is excellent too, look at something, decide if it's going to either satisfy that thing on the list or, you know, the urge or is just perfect for you and you really love it, and then look at the price. And whether it's on sale or not, just look at the amount of money that you're going to be spending on that and ask yourself, is it worth it to me? Do I want it, whether it's on sale or not? So, you know, I think that's maybe what I was trying to get to with the first point was, you know, how bargain crazy we've gotten, how focused we are on whether or not it's on sale. I think what people have to do is just overlook that whole component of whether it's on sale or not and understand that pricing is sort of a manipulation anyway today and decide, you know, this is how much it costs, go, not go, based on how much you love and want that item. We can do so much research these days online and this season in the circulars that still come in the Sunday papers. Is it better to know exactly what you're going for before you head to the stores or even just to shop online or do you fall into the same traps when you're shopping online? You know, shopping online is such an excellent way to do research. And I think most people don't really know what they want to get other people for gifts. That takes a little bit of inspiration, and that's the role that shopping sort of always played around the holidays. People love doing it because it helps them. You know, today we get extra help with people giving us suggestions and bloggers that help us out with, you know, their wish lists or top 10 things in electronics categories. Like if I have to buy toys, you can bet I'm not going to go wandering the aisles. I'm going to see what the bloggers recommend for the age group that I'm searching for. So, you know, I think people do need that help and inspiration when they're shopping for other people. And it's probably safer and, and a wider variety of merchandise to look online. You know, it's a sort, of, sort of like a hyped-up version of what, you know, a really great salesperson used to do for us in the stores. And shopping for ourselves, same sort of thing. I think it just depends on the purpose of the thing that you want to buy. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with buying things that just fill your heart with joy, that make you feel wonderful and confident and handsome or beautiful or whatever. You know, that's been something we've done since we were, you know, cave people. So I I think it's okay to do that just, you know, within your budget. And that usually is the most fun, I think, when people are in stores, like getting to touch and feel up merchandise and so forth. But, it's you know, it varies by individual. It absolutely does. I want to talk about a phenomenon that you call bargain brain. But before we do that, let me just remind everybody, Her Money is brought to you by Fidelity Investments. Fidelity is focused on helping women like us take charge of our financial lives. We all deserve to live the lives that we work so hard for. So visit fidelity.com slash it's time. You'll find more conversations like this one with Dr. Kit Yarrow, information about how to manage your money during life's biggest events and most challenging times, whether you're getting married, divorced, starting a new career. And again, that is fidelity.com slash it's time. We're talking with Dr. Kit Yarrow about shopping as we head into the Christmas season. What is bargain brain? <laughs> so, okay, just a little background here. I, you know, I've been doing research like this for about 18 years, uh, mostly interviews, one-on-one interviews and ethnographies where I go in people's houses. And even up to right up to the recession, beginning of the recession, when I would talk to people about, you know, tell me, show me something that you love that you recently bought and then tell me why. 
and people would lovingly describe, you know, a handbag or a record player, home decoration, something like that. And, and, and they would go on and on about the characteristics of the product that made them so happy and, and why it was a wonderful purchase for them. During the recession, retailers slashed prices to the point where they were not making any profits at all. Consumers, you know, warily dipped their toe into repurchasing again, but only because they were inspired by bargains. And then this became a thing. Mm -hmm. So then people wouldn't buy at all unless there were these incredible bargains. And suddenly what I'm finding when I do my, my ethnographies and my interviews today is when I say, show me a product that you really love, show me something you recently bought that, you know, thrills you. What I hear now is, oh my gosh, this was $100, but it was 40% 40% off, and then I had this coupon, and blah, 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 and so I ended up getting it for this. So, in other words, what I'm talking about with bargain brains is that people spend way too much time telling me about the thrilling aspect of the product, which was getting it for what they perceived to be a great bargain, and not really paying enough attention to the product itself. This is ultimately going to cause people, I think, to spend more money because they're not super satisfied with what it is that they've bought. A lot of times they're buying it primarily to get that thrill of being a savvy shopper and getting a great deal, not necessarily because the product is really perfect, emotionally satisfying, functionally perfect, you know, all the things that really we hope that we're doing when we buy things. It's really kind of an extension of what we were just talking about. So if you catch yourself telling somebody about the great deal that you got on something rather than telling them about this great thing you got, is that an indication to you that you're probably not spending your money wisely? Gene, it's sort of like whoop, 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 red light. (laughs) (laughs) So even if you start telling yourself that, so if you're in a store or online and your heart starts thumping because you can't believe the great deal, blah, 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 you know, you have to use that as kind of like a flag and and a red flag and ask yourself, you know, is it the deal I'm really excited about or is it this product? Because, you know, really another bus is going to come along. Another great deal is going to come along. There are no shortages of bargains today. Probably Black Friday itself, looking for electronics. If you want a TV, Black Friday's the day to do it. <laughs> if you want that 10% off Apple products, which they tend to only do on Black Fridays, I don't know if they are this year, by the way. Um, there, you know, there's a few exceptions to that, but for the most part, another bus is going to come along. Another bargain's going to come along. And so there's hardly ever a reason to get that heart something like that. So the whole outlet mall thing, it sounds like, is not a place where you probably find yourself. I think outlet malls are like one of the most dangerous places on earth today. Okay, that might be an overstatement, but they're dangerous <laughs> to our pocketbooks. <laughs> so... You know, here's why, because people invest time and their emotions getting there. So most outlet malls require some sort of like a little field trip. And a lot of times what I found, you know, they are in some big cities, but for the most part it's a drive. And so people are making a commitment of their time already. And a lot of times it's a group excursion, like a mother-daughter thing or a family thing. Or oh, here in New York, they just put you on a bus and send you out to Woodbury Commons. <laughs> There we go. Yeah, exactly. So this is like, so already before you even get there, you're so primed to spend because you've made such an emotional and time investment. 
And then you get there, and what we found is that really about 80% of the merchandise that's in outlet malls was made for the outlet mall or was never really in a regular store. And it's at a price where people are thinking, this is what people think when they get to outlet malls. Everything I find is on sale. I have permission. I'm giving myself psychological permission to buy whatever I find here because it's at an outlet mall and therefore it's a value. And we need to get that thought completely erased out of your mind because they're not. It's sort of like buying a slightly lower quality merchandise at full price. That's what outlet malls are, are really about. If you, There are certain times of the year where they bring in all the leftover merchandise from their regular stores and they do sell it at a discount. But if you look it over, you know, a lot of it's kind of shop-worn or it's like the past season. And this is, again, one of the places where I find people are so happy they finally found something because it's like a treasure hunt that they're really ready to buy it. And this is, this is a prime area for mistakes as well. Well, I think I think that whole time constraint thing is a big issue. I mean, if if you're one of those people who have a whole list of folks that you're shopping for this holiday season and you wait a little while and you haven't made a lot of progress on your list, all of a sudden you're in a panic and that seems to me to be the worst time to shop. It's so true. Anytime that we're more emotional, whether we're excited about the price of something or whether we're in a panic because we've got so much left to do, we're not going to be as rational. So here's where online shopping, I think, is really your friend. Most online retailers this holiday season, like seriously most, 90%, I'd say, are going to be offering free shipping or not necessarily free returns, but it's going to be really easy to, to do your holiday shopping whenever you get a moment online. I don't think it's as pleasurable, and I don't think you see the variety of merchandises in the store, but it's good, and it's good enough. And then the ultimate fallback is gift cards. All right, so, so I wanted really to... really have to be in a panic. Well, I wanted to ask you about that, and, and they're actually, as we wrap things up here and allow people to sort of head out and go forth and shop, I want to get your two cents on a couple of things and whether they're okay to buy or not so okay to buy or do this holiday season, all right? So final sale items. You go and you you pick something up on clearance. It's final sale. Can you give that as a gift? Yeah, you can, and a lot of people do, but it's either either you really know that person well and you know they really want it, which is kind of rare, to be honest, or you don't really care. You just want to check the, <laughs> check the box. You know, you've done it. You found something. And, you know, in general, it's risky, though, because I think people do really like to return and get just the right thing. Gift cards? You're pro or con? I have been so against gift cards because I feel like they strip the generosity of and, and the human connection that's associated with gifting. So, you know, we give gifts to show people our thoughtfulness towards them, our you know, how much we love and care for them and how much we know them. And then my office staff convinced me that I was so wrong when one year I ran out of time and I gave everybody gift cards and they all came up and go, thank God, kid, we don't never know what to do with that stuff you give us. <laughs> <laughs> so I realized that if you don't know people well, like, you know, like I don't, so, I don't socialize that much with my office staff, so I don't really know them. I just love them and care about them and wanted to give them a gift then gift cards really serve a great purpose for that group. And the other group where I think gift cards are wonderful for are um, kids, teenagers and kids. They want to go shopping. 
there's almost no chance you're going to hit the mark with them anyway. And so give them the gift of shopping, which is what a gift card is. And, you know, some, some people, I, so if you don't know people that well, or if you want to give somebody the gift of shopping because you know that they love to shop, then that's where gift cards come in. Okay, last but not least, re-gifting. Re-gifting, if you're sure they want it, absolutely positive they want it, like a family heirloom. I have given my daughter um, jewelry or, um, you know, other people have told me about, like, even furniture that's a family heirloom or something really wonderful that's sort of like an antique or something that you know somebody really would like. Like, let's say you open it up and you go, oh, gosh, they should have given this to so-and-so. She would have loved that. <laughs> so if you're sure they love it, I think it's okay. Frankly, I think everybody re-gifts. And so, you know, there's gotta, there just has to be guidelines around it, which is most number one most important thing is that you're not just getting rid of something you don't want. I'm, you know, that's just like saying, why bother with a gift at that point, in my view? but that it really is a good match between um, what you have and the person you're giving a gift to. Well, you are a delight, and this was really fun. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it too, Jean. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. Kelly has joined me in the studio. How are you on this rainy day? I am good. Just trying to stay dry. How are you? I'm good. I am regretting my choice of footwear. I actually saw a number of people getting off the train this morning. I took the train into the city wearing big rain boots. And I thought, yep, you know, today was a good day for big rain boots. Those are a commitment, though. But you're right. It's really coming down and it's starting to flood a little bit. Yeah. Well, they're a commitment because if you are going to go on with your day, Mm -hmm. you might have to put shoes in your bag. And shoes in your bag, then, you know, it just gets complicated. New Yorker problems. Exactly. New Yorker problems. Hashtag New Yorker problems. What do we have? Our first question is from Martinelle on Facebook. She writes, I love your podcast. I'm a 39-year-old professional, no husband or kids, and no desire to purchase a house. My car and credit cards are paid off. I have almost 50000 in savings, and I max out my 401k and health savings account contributions every year. I I suspect I should start an investment account with my extra to be safe savings, $2,000 a month, but I would also love to just pay off my law school loans. I currently owe 45000 in private loans and 55000 in federal, both on low fixed interest. My mind, which is investment focused, and my soul, which is just pay off those loans, battle out the best decision. Right now I'm thinking an extra 1000 a month to investment account and 1000 a month to extra loan payments. Any thoughts or feedback would be greatly appreciated. Well, first of all, let me just say, wow. I mean, mm-hmm. you, Martinell, you've gotten yourself on a fantastic trajectory. And I get this question all the time, and I understand why you're asking it, right? Because if you put all of the money in an investment account, you would get a greater return than you'd get by paying off those loans because the return on the investments would likely outperform the money that you would spend paying down the loans at this low interest rate, because we have to remember that the return is equal to the interest rate. So you pay off a loan at 3%, it's like getting a 3% return on your money, which is not much. But the psychic returns, and I hear this in your words, the psychic returns to getting rid of those law school loans is much, much greater. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at your retirement trajectory. You said you're you're maxing out your 401k, you're maxing out your health savings accounts. This is fantastic. But look at your age, 
Look at when you think you might want to retire. Look at how much money you think you're going to need to live on at that point and see if you're going to get there by just doing what you're doing right now. And if the answer is yes, I know you're saying, okay, I'll just split the difference and and I'll invest half the money and I'll pay off the lost school loans with half the money. But if you're already on a trajectory to get there, wipe out the law school loans. I think that that's what you really want to do. And so as long as you are feeling like you are going to get where you want to go, then get rid of the debt. And at that point, you'll have freed yourself up to invest twice as much. That's my two cents. If you find that you're not on a trajectory to get where you want to go, then split the difference and put half the money to the the law school loans and half the money to an investment account. Fantastic job on everything else. Yeah, amazing, yeah, right? Doing you're job. doing you're doing a fantastic job. And just to address the idea of investing when you're not quite sure what you're investing for, you know, you're not wanting to buy a house, you're not wanting to take a trip around the world. I think that's okay. At some point you will want something. And maybe what you'll want is to Um, make an incredible gift to a cause that you believe in or to take a step back and give yourself a sabbatical before retirement. You know, we don't we never know exactly what's going to come down the pike. And so I don't want people to think that this idea of investing when you're not sure what the outcome is, is wasted energy. It never is. It just is giving yourself some additional freedom down the road. And then our next question is from Nancy. She emailed us. She says she just checked her credit report and realized that she has a lot of store cards that she never uses, four, in fact, from JCPenney. And she's wondering if it'll hurt her score to close them. She doesn't use them. She has three major cards that she uses and pays off each month, but she doesn't know how to handle the ones that are collecting dust. It should not hurt your credit score to close those because when you when we talk about your credit score taking a, a ding because you're closing accounts generally they're accounts that have large credit limits that hurts your utilization so i wouldn't necessarily close four on the very same day close to and then three months from now, close to watch your credit score through that period of time. But it's not like closing a um, major Visa, MasterCard, American Express. Great. Thank you. Sure. Thanks. And if you'd like to send us your questions or your stories or your anecdotes or your experiences, we want them all. Um, you can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Inst- LinkedIn. On LinkedIn. On Instagram and at jeanchatsky.com. Thanks so much, Kelly. Today's Thrive is the perfect complement to our earlier conversation with Dr. Kit Yarrow. We talked to her about why we buy what we buy, especially when it comes to sales. But now we're going to get really specific and really tactical on not only the sales that you can expect this holiday season, because we've done the research, but also when to shop for them. Americans plan to spend an average of $935 this holiday season, according to the National Retail Federation. As for what's on those shopping list, data from Offers.com says that the top five items are going to be clothing, electronics, gift cards, 
toys and video games and the equipment to go along with them. But between all the different days that are popular to shop in store, Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, to name a few, when should you actually hit the stores? Well, we've got Sarah Spagnolo on the phone. She is editor at large of Foursquare, which is the location intelligence company, and she dug into the data to figure out for us the very best days and times to shop this month and next. Hey, Sarah. Hi, good to be here. Oh, it's nice to have you. So tell me, I mean, I know Foursquare has a ton of information, but how did you go about collecting this data and diving into it to figure out when we should go to the stores and when we should stay home? Well, so it's the holiday season, right? And time is money. And we wanted to understand the best times to go into certain stores and different categories of places so that people can spend their time wisely and be smart about where they go. And so I'll just step back and kind of explain how we did that. That'd be great. We are a location intelligence company. You said that. But, like, what does that mean, really? And what I mean is that we have two popular consumer apps. We have the Foursquare City Guide app, which helps people explore the world and find new restaurants, places to go. And then we also have Foursquare Swarm app, and that's our check-in app. So people check in to where they go. They unlock perks and discounts. But as people move through the world and they use our apps, we are able to understand basically when people are going to places and how that really works. And we understand it always anonymously and in the aggregate, but we use that data for our other business which is advertising solutions and enterprise solutions. And we've looked at all sorts of interesting societal trends over time. We predicted uh, iPhone 6S sales. We uncovered um, some information about how we thought Chipotle would perform following the E. coli outbreak. Most recently, we looked at foot traffic to Trump-branded hotels, casinos, and golf courses following the announcement of his campaign. So from all of that, we were able to understand basically how people move through the world, and we use that to uncover when you should shop. I laid out the different items that people are going to be shopping for, at least as predicted by sites like Offers.com. So we know clothing is at the top of the list. When is the best time to go to clothing stores if you don't want to run into crowds? Well, before I answer that question, I just want to share one tiny tidbit, which is, of course, this isn't, this is data about foot traffic. So we were looking for when there are crowds and when there are not crowds, right? So we're going under the assumption that people want to shop when they don't have to wait in line and they don't have to wait in line for the dressing room or the, you know, the register or what have you. They don't have to fight people. Um, but this isn't the, the best time for sales, for new inventory, for any other type of reason why you might want to go into the store. So, Taking all that into account, we say that the best time based on our data to go into a clothing store is actually on a Monday from 6 to 8 p.m. And why Monday? Like, do you know sort of the why behind these windows of opportunity? I mean, the why is a little bit harder to identify, right? I kind of look to you and um, maybe even to myself on a personal level or talk to my friends. I know, for example, that just yesterday at lunchtime, I ran a bunch of errands that I couldn't get to over the weekend, mainly because I know that the stores are just going to be more empty. I work in Soho, New York. 
Uh, and so I try to take advantage, actually, of the fact that, like, Monday just feels like a slower day. I think people are focused on, you know, getting their kids, you know, set for the week. They're working on homework. They're trying to get back into the routine. So Monday nights just tend to be a quieter night. It's sort of like a, a psychological question, I think, more so than a data analytics question, which is what I'm here to answer. And as far as the what to buy, we did a little bit of research there. More specifically, Kelly did a little bit of research there. And her reporting uncovered the fact that you really don't have to wait for Black Friday for the bargains on fall apparel. That stuff is being marked down in real time. If you want the deepest discounts, though, as the days start to get cooler, the deals on winter apparel are going to get better. So you want to target those into December and then even further into January because after the holidays, those things get marked down significantly. All right. What about electronics? When's the best time to go? Electronics, Sunday evening. Perhaps, you know, maybe that's when football is on or people are distracted again getting ready for the week. But the electronic stores tend to be um, the least crowded on Sunday evenings. All right. And the deal sites are saying this is the year for 4K TVs. Why? Well, a few years ago, most of these TVs were at least $800. Many of them were over $1,000. But this year, we're predicting you could get a 40-inch 4K TV for $240, a 50-inch for $300, a 60-inch for $400. And I am just, I don't even have a 4K TV, but I spent much more than that for my big screen TV because I bought it so long ago. We were talking in our earlier segment with Kit Yarrow about gift cards. When's the best time to buy gift cards and where is the best place to buy gift cards? Well, so we, you know, the data that we have about gift cards, of course, you can buy them at the individual stores, but a lot of gift cards are available for sale at grocery stores. And we know that Friday nights around 7 p.m. is an excellent time to go food shopping. Again, that's another type of thing where, like, you have a feeling that Friday nights are quieter at the grocery store, and our data really backs that up. Uh, so we saw it here that, uh, that Friday nights, 7 p.m., an awesome time to hit the supermarket. You know, I find in my own life, in real life, IRL, as we say, supermarket shopping at night, that's the best time to do it. You don't have a lot of kids in the store with their parents asking for things. You get through the lines a lot faster. And if you're looking for untraditional gift cards, non-traditional gift cards, I like restaurant gift cards. And you will start seeing discounted restaurant gift cards starting at around December 1st. Just as an example, last year, if you purchased a $50 gift card to BJ's Restaurant and Brew House, you'd get a $10 bonus card. So start looking for those kind of gifts. All right, toys are big on people's lists. When should you be shopping for toys if you don't want to hit the crowds? Well, toy shops, for the same reason you just said to go to grocery stores, toy shops are more empty than uh, than at any other time of the week on Friday evening. So Friday night at 8 p.m., if you have a toy story that's open late, that's the time to go. You won't have all the excited kids running around, and you can focus and get in and get out. And with any toys on this year's Hot Toy List, you want to buy earlier rather than wait for the better deal simply because these are the kind of things that run out. And we are told that the hot sellers this year are going to be Paw Patrol Zoomers, Hatchimals, and anything Star Wars or Pokemon. And if you're feeling like it's 1991, I guess it is. Nah, not 1991. Like 19. How old was 
Jake was probably 10, like 2001. That was probably the height of Pokemon mania. Okay. Finally, Sarah, what about video games and equipment? Video games and equipment. Well, you know, video games, of course, it's, it's often not for sale at toy stores. So Friday nights at 8 again. And electronic stores, Sundays from 6 to 8. So um, on sort of those fringe weekend moments, I do definitely want to say that not only did we look at the best times to go, but we also looked at the worst times to go. And all I can tell you is that if you were thinking about shopping on a Saturday, do not do it. Saturdays across the board are basically the busiest times to go to any type of store from a hardware store to an outlet mall, even to a liquor store, a cosmetic store, a big box store. I mean, they are all crowded at various times over a Saturday. So if you're looking for those video games and equipment like you were talking about, or really uh, th- those are the, the, the edges of the weekend, Friday night and Sunday night, and then at alternate times throughout the weekdays. Okay. And with gaming systems, last year we started to see $50 discounts on bundles in the middle of November. So if this year is anything like last year, you should be able to get a PS4 Slim Bundle or an Xbox One Bundle for around $250 already. But there are a few potential advantages to waiting until Black Friday, or at least the week of Black Friday, and that's additional games and accessories may be thrown in. Sometimes it's a gift card, sometimes it's store dollars, sometimes it's a combination on all of the above. Sarah, what's your advice for those people who are going to brave the stores on Black Friday or even on Thanksgiving itself? Oh, what, are my, what is my advice? I mean, bring your game face, I guess. I think we're looking at some trends in terms of uh, what we're going to see on Black Friday and Super Saturday. This year is going to be sort of an unusual year in that we'll have two Super Saturdays because Christmas Eve is a Saturday. And mm-hmm. so there will be the Saturday, that like very last minute Saturday, and the Saturday before, which are both going to be super busy days of the year, according to our data. Uh, we're also showing generally that foot traffic to shops looks pretty stable year over year. So we're not anticipating that for whatever reason, people will be staying out of the stores. People will be shopping on Black Friday. 90% of foot traffic still happens in the real world. People are shopping later in the season than earlier. This is just like a general trend that we're seeing. Black Friday is fading a bit in its importance in favor of some of those super Saturday days that I just identified. So if you can think ahead and get there earlier in the holiday season, that's definitely something to consider and to spend time with in front of the game. You know, I'm just looking at some of our data here. In 2014, Black Friday was the third most popular shopping day of the year. In 2015, it fell and ranked fifth. So again, like people are waiting longer and longer to shop. Sarah Spagnuolo from Foursquare, thank you so much. This was great. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime. Thanks so much for joining me today on Her Money. It's been fun talking to Dr. Kit Yarrow and Sarah Spagnolo. I feel like I'm all ready to go this holiday season and in a very good holiday mood. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our show at iTunes. Leave us a review. We want to know what you think. We also want to thank our sponsor, Fidelity. Our music is provided by Track Tribe. Our show comes to you through PRX. We'll talk soon.